Hello everyone. Before I get this podcast started, I really just want to throw my support and solidarity behind the people of Ukraine and I want to dedicate this episode of the podcast to them. Even though it's a very small gesture in the grand scheme of things and not much can really be done with that, I just personally, I just, I'm really affected by the news. I really am. And I, I, th- I know Covey is such a tight-knit community and, you know, I, I'm fortunately with uh, technology these days, I'm able to sort of check where the listeners of this podcast come from. And we do get people from Ukraine and we do get people from Russia. And I just want to throw my absolute solidarity and, and thoughts behind the people of Ukraine and just convey how terribly I feel for them. And also for the regular citizens of Russia who are just being completely humiliated by their government and despotic leader Vladimir Putin. Um, this is a coffee podcast, not a politics podcast, but it's hard to not be affected by what we've all been watching and listening to around the world surrounding that terrible, terrible invasion. And I just hope that the war ends soon. And um, I hope that in whatever way in the coffee community, we can get behind the people of Ukraine who you know, are dealing with so much more than I'll, I'll ever have to deal with. War's a terrible thing. I hope it ends soon. And, you know, I hope everyone in the coffee community can get behind Ukraine. Stay cool, everyone. I don't need you to tell me how fucking good my coffee is, okay? I'm the one who buys it. Would you like to come upstairs for some coffee? No, no, thanks. I can't drink coffee late at night. It keeps me up. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast, and I'm here with Matthew Lewin, former Australian Brewster champion for podcast... This is take two, and this is... I think, we should, I think we should tell this story before we get too far ahead, because I was living in Melbourne not too long ago and have since moved to Sydney, but when I was there, uh, it kind of derailed the whole podcast entirely, really, <laughs> like the, the other episodes I kind of was planning to produce... Um, we were recording a podcast at my house, and obviously podcasts are a lot better person, uh, like face to face. You know, I've got the microphone, I've got the good audio kit. I had carpeted, wall, uh, I had carpet there, so you didn't. And I remember, I remember the couch being so comfortable. Yeah. You know, the, the lighting was right, the wall, the, the the temperature was right on. It yeah. was uh, climate control to the max. And you know, the wine was flowing. Uh, <laughs> we were we were we were gazing at each other quite. Um, Dare I say it, uh, romantic, romantically. Um, and then about half an hour through, and this was premium podcast recording. We were going deep, personal, good coffee content, the lot. And then my SD card corrupted the, and the SD, the micro SD card I need to run my, you know, podcast operating system. And then, you know, it was just lost. And I had to just like, you were on a roll and I had to interrupt you and say, Oh, I'm so sorry, mate. But this is all. This has all been. You know, it's been a great chin wag, but this has all been destroyed. Great to see you, mate. How much did we capture? Was it twenty minutes or something? Oh, uh, it was like thirty-seven. Um, so it was like almost a whole podcast, and yeah, just yeah. you know, it was a great chat though, and great wine, and great to see you that day. It was lovely, and it's always a joy to see you, and to be back again. You know, you talk about in person. It is the you know the holy grail, I guess, of, of relationships. But here we are in a new world. Um, all things virtual, you know, and, and how good's technology keeping us together. It's going to be a great one. But before we get into the, the coffee, you know, the ins and outs of coffee, let's get let's introduce people to Matt Lewin. 
Obviously, you are Matt Lewin, former Australian Brewster champion, wholesale manager of Honor Coffee in Australia. Is that the correct title? Yeah, yeah, just all things coffee, you know, focused on wholesale, you know, guest roaster. But, you know, me, I love to be part of lots of conversations and, um, you know, variety is the spice of life, Kirk, isn't it? Mate, variety is the spice of life. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did you say you grew up in Horsham? Last time on the, well done. The, the, uh, the production work's almost done for me because I can just remember that obviously iconic podcast. But tell us a bit about you growing up. So, Kirk, you impressed me. You're photographic and photogenic. What what don't you have? What can't you do? So, mate, you you impressed me uh, continually. Uh, my dad is a city boy. It's a beautiful story. This mum's a country girl. So I actually grew up literally half of my life until I was an adult in the country and in the city. And we would move back and forward, back and forward because mum worked in the city and, um, and then had family in the country, big family, uh, one of nine kids. So that was how I grew up. And as much as I didn't love moving around, it did teach me so much seeing, you know, both sides of, of, of that, you know, way of life. And yeah, so looking back, it was actually really cool. To do that, mum didn't really love it, no, because you'd make friendships and get settled, and you know, then mum would have another great job opportunity, and we'd have to go. So, and for yeah. people listening outside Australia, it's like it's almost like two different countries in a way, moving from the city to the regions, because Australia is such a big, vast country. We're an island, uh, and for a population of like twenty-seven million or something, we have probably, I think, we have the highest per capita like population per square metre or some, whatever the term yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, to paint that picture, you know, as a teenager, I'd be in, in the, you know, back in the city with my mates and, and, you know, doing naughty things like, you know, finding in a, in a train area to do some graffiti, some really beautiful art. And then, in, you know, in the country, the next thing I'd be swimming in the quarry with my mates on motorbikes in the dirt. So, you know, that was the sort of contrasting picture. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's been good for me because it's allowed me to be pretty independent and, you know, consequently when I got into coffee, you know, travelling the world and, and a lot of the time buying green coffee and just by myself on volcanoes in Guatemala being like, why am I here by just, myself? Just it, little Maddie from the bush. I know, right? So, yeah, just it's, it's, it's uh, you know, my life's been a, a really interesting journey and there's been... I look back and a lot packed into it, um, you know, as a kid and into a teenager and, uh, you know, and then coffee as an adult has been a huge part of my life. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get, let's get one thing. I, I want to know one thing before we get too into the coffee. Uh, what, what were you, what were you doing for work before you were in coffee? So the real quick snapshot is I, I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, that was a view I held all through high school. I, I studied hard for it. Um, Little fun fact no one knows is year eight and nine, I got like kind of ducks of the school, right? So I got commendable endeavour, I got straight A's uh, and I was in the city at that time and I got straight A's both semesters in year eight and nine. So highest scores in in, in, um, in the school and then I pushed off and went back to the country and, and pursued studies there. So, But I didn't end up being a lawyer. I, I was doing uh, business and, and law like Ballarat University back in Horsham. And I met a girl from Switzerland. I deferred all that and travelled over there with her. Uh, you know, young love, first love, all that jazz. Uh, then Europe completely captivated me, just like we were talking before, the buildings, the richness, and the coffee, the food, the wine, 
And if anyone knows me now, uh, Instagram will tell you I'm just all about that life. You know, I, I just love anything that's culinary and hospitality and, and, and that, that's it. And that's your, your, your typical Sunday is going buying some form of crustacean and, you know, some, some beautiful wine and, sort of, <laughs> you know, cooking up a storm, Gordon Ramsay style, and then, you know, having a swirl that, that if, if you, if you observe the Matt grew Matt Lewin Instagram, it's, it's, can, can you do this next time? Hashtag crustacean Sunday. <laughs> so good. Absolutely. And, Look, it's, um, you know, we all love to eat. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's inherent to being human. You have to eat. But, um, you know, making it a celebration, getting mates together, what's better about life? So dinner's my favourite meal of the day and, I, and, I, and exactly your point. I love getting people around and just getting merry. It's a joy. Oh, mate, I, I can't wait to be able to. Uh, we're, our lockdown's ending next Monday and we can have 10 people to our Amazing. house, believe it or not, 10. Isn't it funny? The small things now are just... You know, the small things are actually the big things, right? So, yeah. But anyway, you know, that's that's me. That's um, I sort of Europe captivated me. I, I was I just love coffee. And then when I came back, um, I, Melbourne was just you know just one of the greatest elements of Melbourne's coffee, and I've become awakened to it. And then since then, I literally really hadn't looked back. I learned how to make coffee. Worked at a couple of good cafes, and then I jumped pretty quickly into specialty coffee, and that's been what I've been doing for the last what ten, fifteen years. I mean, I don't even know where the time's gone. Flown by. Yeah, well, you're allegedly like, how old are you now? Oh, mate, I'm the youngest fifty-year-old looking bloke you've you've, you've ever seen. Well, yeah. I, you are. I was just you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Look, I, I, I'm supposed they're my jokes, mate. Don't take my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you've grown your hair out a bit too. Usually, blokes at your age, you know, you, you're on the you're in the fifty fifty camp. You either start losing your hair, or you know, you can still grow it. And yours has grown exponentially. Like it's um, it's longer than I've ever seen it before. Will this will this will this remain, mate? You'll love this, um, Mum. You know, um, I'm Nell's shop. Mum never let me grow my hair. Right. So here we go. Like safe space. Right. I'm going to open up here. So I, I wanted to grow it. I tried. Mum would never, never let me grow it. So here I am, uh, many years later, and uh, you know, finally brave enough, a big boy now, to to grow these blonde locks out. And you know what, Kurt, I like them. So I don't know. here to stay. <laughs> hey, listen, look, you you you're um, you know, you're blessed with some looks growing up. You you weren't exactly beaten with the ugly ugly stick like me. But um, just if I could have one request. Can I get a bit more facial hair? Like, could you could you grow a bit of facial hair for me? You know, I, I reckon a bit more rugged look. You know, you're just a couple of days late, I've actually had a, had a big old thing happening, a, a lockdown uh, lock uh, around 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 the chin, and uh, you know, um, I'll bring it back for you. Post a little snappy soon. Well, right, if you, you, if, just give me six months, and, and I'll get something that looks <laughs> and what's yours. Well, if you could do it on Crustacean Sunday and just sort of get them both happening together, that'd be good. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right, coffee stuff. How did you get into coffee? So, used to used to love drinking a Victoria latte, couple of uh, couple of sugars. Oh god! Clarendon uh, Street, South Melbourne, and uh, you know that was just legit. I thought I was all that, and um, you know the other thing that captivated me uh, was latte. Art. I think it's the first thing, like anything, the first bites with the eyes, and that was just like wow. So, on the back of that, Saint Ali. Had opened. I read about it in you know the Good Food Guide, and, and you know that was just the Bible. And I was blown away at the sound of it. I went in, and Saint Ali just you know blew my mind, as I'm sure it did so many people. And 
actually will never forget so vividly, I thought this was the coolest vibe, the coolest thing I'd ever seen. You know, there was people around drinking coffee. It was it was unique. I'd never seen anything like that before. And that was it. I was done. I was like, this is, this is just incredibly cool. I was so attracted to it. And I just been um you know it just drew me in from well, from there well i've got a i've got a i've got to give a bit of a shout out here obviously i was the head barista at saint i leave for a good part of two oh. years and they um they popped my cherry sort of thing with coffee uh ben morrow oh, cherries, i think oh yeah. mate, they're they're notorious for it but ben ben morrow made me a coffee that like i dr- i took a sip and i just thought holy shit you know, yes. like I, I'd been drinking coffee and I just got offered a job to start making coffee. I was washing dishes. You know, this isn't about me, but to, to paint a picture for you. We've all been there. Absolutely. And then I went to St. Ali and like Ben Morrow just made me this unbelievable cappuccino. I was like, how do you get a coffee to taste that good? And it literally, you know, it started, I, I'm one of those people that just gets unbelievably, like when I get interested in something, I have to research it to death. And that's when I yeah. sort of, you know, uh, like, I just had to find out how to do it. And, um, you know, obviously it, it, it's great to hear that it started something. Yeah, they're, they're, they're notorious for it and really painted the scene for Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, when you talk about those pioneers, you know, Mark Dundon, you've got Bridget, you, you know, you've got you know, a myriad of people. But, you know, just remember that moment so vividly, that recycled wood they were roasting in there. And, and I think not only for me, I think so many people would be able to share that memory, particularly in Melbourne, you know, really just kick-started this third wave of, of coffee thing. And and since then, you know, just that's all I've thought about doing is coffee. And, um, you know, I think about it today, where I'm at and the journey I've taken, and I still can't picture myself doing anything else, you know. I do love cooking and I do love wine and, and all that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I do coffee. I'm, I'm not too bad at it. Uh, and I also love it. So, you know, lucky me, huh? Yeah, well, like... I, I'm not working in coffee at the moment, but like, I just miss going in with you know handling an espresso machine and that sort of half an hour where no one like no one can talk to me, um, and I just have an espresso and a, and a and a milky, and I just oh god, I miss it, Matt. I need to. I'm I'm trying oh, to say, you, mate. yeah, and you know what, coffee misses you, and I know you're a morning person. I've heard about your routine, and it'd be the envy of so many people to maximise so many hours in their day, starting off a morning as well as you do. But how good is coffee? It's so good to all of us. You know what's also cool about coffee is most people around the world love it, right? It's cool. It speaks to people. We can get together and drink it, and you know, it's it's yes, it's like the second most traded uh, traded commodity after oil. Everyone around the world knows coffee. We do it you know, in the special sector, but you know, what, what a great thing to, to connect on. And, and you have that morning coffee, nothing better. How good do you feel? That morning coffee is just, it's, it's the elixir of life, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the correct way to start your day really. And, and um, you know, obviously we, as you get better over the years, you learn how to make it just the way you like it. And um, you know, sometimes, sometimes there's other people that like, Todd Suter, for example, one person that I'll always trust to make me a coffee, you know, hands down. I'll never makes incredible see. coffee. Makes yeah. incredible coffee. Yourself, uh, you know, the, I could I could go on for I could go on for days. But well, um, I'll tell you what. Some of the if I could just say as well, a bit of a shout out to Sub Zero, you know, yourself and Todd. Some of the best coffee experiences I've ever had, hands down, over you know many years, is at Sub Zero. And, and you know, come and see you guys, and just literally be floored 
blown away every single coffee. And mind you, you'd feed me about five or ten. I'd drink all of them. And just, you know, world-class coffee, competition level, as good as it gets experience. So some of the best coffee experiences I've ever had, hands down, by a country mile, have been with you. So, mate, thank, you know, thank you guys for just pushing the envelope on what coffee can be. Incredible stuff. Well, mate, it's, it's, it's incredibly flattering to hear you say that. And honestly, I, you know, coming from someone like you, it's, it, it means a lot. I can pinpoint an exact moment um, when, when sort of like I made you a coffee that was – you really had to nail it to get the experience. Um, and that was that day that I made you a Takesi Geisha espresso. Um, and then I was, I was a bit iffy. I was like, you know, just turn down your expectations. Like this, this coffee is a bit of a yin yang, you know, you're either get, it's a bit of a Harvey Dent, you know, you're either get it, get it or you're not. And then you told me that you're like, stop, stop talking. I need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and, and you know, I remember it obviously you, you have coffees, right? That, uh, they stick in your mind. You're not going to remember every coffee cause we drink thousands, but you know, you can ask anyone that's had a great coffee, and I'm talking about the best ones. You remember it so easily, right? Some particular wines are the same, some dishes in a restaurant. But I remember that espresso um, so acutely, um, not only because it's a special coffee, and obviously, you know, you guys have made it, but the whole drinking experience, that thing had everything. We talk about geisha, wash geisha, you know, and this is Takesi, but sometimes they don't have the texture or they don't have this or that, right? As, as amazing as they are, this thing had everything. is loaded with texture, perfectly extracted, you know, that kind of splintered, brown sugar, you know, just, just so much mouthfeel. And then we talk about the layers as you go through and you've got all the florals, all the stone fruits, all the citrus, and you're just like, how do you get something so complete? And espresso is a universe, right? How hard is it to get right? I've made a trillion bad ones and I'm lucky I've made a couple of good ones. And I'm lucky, lucky at that point some judges drank it and said, yeah, that was pretty good. But, you know, the espresso is notoriously difficult. It commands my respect. I have a love-hate relationship with espresso because – it is so difficult to get right. And I talk to coffee people, I talk to risk and even consumers. But to get a great espresso that's flawless together and incredible is so challenging. So when you have one, it's it's like a holy, gra- a holy grail moment, you know. And then you're talking about the best geisha in the world, arguably, right? And you put all that together for me. All I can say is Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Kirk. You've, you know, just part of the borders for me. What would you have scored that in a, in a competition? You're pushing very, very high stuff, you know, not only because it was flawless in every respect, you know, you 5.5s, you know, 6s, depending on your accuracy. You know, if you told me it was going to taste like all those things, I mean, it had everything. So you're going to get, super, you know, super high scores. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, like I'm, my dream is to compete again and my dream is to use coffee from Takesi if, if possible. It, it's, um, it'll probably. I know, I know you've got a very, very close personal relationship, you know, with Bolivia and, and that's very fitting. So yeah, yeah, and um, you know, it'll probably be too expensive by the time I want to compete again because you know it just gets better and better each year, and and the price keeps going up, and which I can't be mad about. That's that good for well, them. Look exactly, and and the thing is too, you know, that's a story that should be told. That's a coffee that should be with a barista like you. Like all that makes sense, and you do things like competition. They have to have those elements, right? You 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 got to have a deeper why of the way you're going to do it. Anyway, we can all take expensive coffee out and and make make it yummy but you know having those deeper levels of connection and you know hopefully you know you've been lucky enough to go there and you bring all that you, you deliver a message 
that's so personal. Like that's what makes coffee special. That's what gives the barista this voice and, you know, pushes it into the realm of the sommelier and starts to just elevate what it can be because it just does great things on a platform like that to have a message and a connection. So, mate, you know, we're all lucky if we get to see you do that. And, and it really does exemplify what baristas in the bar can do with their customers and have a connection to coffee and say, do you know why this is important? Because I really care about it. Let me share something with you, you know, in a lovely way. It's, you know, right. it's great. Well, it, it, and it's interesting what you're saying because, right, when I hear you say this, I'm thinking my, my key takeaways are wash geisha, high elevation, years of perfection, trying to master that flavour profile and, you know, after a, you know, after a decade of painstaking work, growing at 3,000 metres above sea level, mind you, in the Bolivian climate, it's hard to grow coffee at that height. Oh, and yeah. and, um, and I want to sort of I want to ask you about something else. And there's been a lot of conjecture about this in the industry at the moment. And um, and you know, in no uncertain terms, uh, Honor and some of its staff members have been you know at the centre of it. And that is about infused coffees. Oh, so, yeah. So that hot, is, hot, huh? that is um, let's say, inoculating coffee with uh, some sort of foreign uh, uh, substance, influencing it with some sort of flavour, like a sort of foreign flavour, adding a cinnamon stick to the tank, what have you. Um, Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's go there. I don't want to take away, you know, some of, some of these infused coffees taste great. And I think they have a role in the industry. That's my opinion. Mm. Um, but how do you feel about, uh, say, if, 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 if I was to cup that sort of coffee that we were talking about earlier, the Tekesi Geisha, and I cupped it and it scored, I don't know, 94 or 95, which it could have easily have done. Um, and then you put, it, you put it next to, um, you know, a pineapple-infused something, something, you know, a, a, a processing method that sounds more like a Decepticon than it does uh, <laughs> a, a, a coffee processing method. Um, Sorry, did you say pina colada? What was that? It yeah. could be a pina colada. It could be Megatron. Yeah. It could be, you know, it could be anyone. But um, your initial thoughts. So huge topic on trend. Just look at what's happening in the space and about time. Who knows how long, you know, this has also been happening. And I think there's so many areas of coffee from, from the farm to the cup that, you know, we just don't know how things got there. And that's, you know, that's just the way the world works. But I look, the point of view that could be taken is we've worked incredibly hard the last 20, 30 years, Let's, and in specialty coffee in particular, from the farm in particular, we've done so many things all the way, roasting and everything. But at the farm, let's, let's focus there on unlocking the potential of how special coffee can be, right? In the past, for how long, coffee's been a commodity. It just tasted like coffee. We didn't have innovative, modern uh, agricultural approaches. So, therefore, coffee was processed and grown the same way. And, you know, and as I said, the last 20, 30 years, we've changed all that. We've, do- we've dived deep and we've, we've figured out soil and microclimates and processing and all the things, and we've unlocked inherently in coffee, jasmine and, and high, you know, incredibly refined sweetness and all these things that just take coffee and what it can be to a whole new level. And, and I guess I sort of pose a question is, particularly for specialty coffee, by adding another food item, you know, whether it's a cinnamon stick or whether it's like plums or whatever it is, are we, you know, really respecting all that work and that journey to unlock the flavour by adding something back on top of it? You know, that, that, that that's... 
That's my question for it. Because what's special about coffee, I believe, and I hope everyone would agree at some point, is we've unlocked these inherent qualities in the bean that are special. I mean, how incredible is that? You've brought it out. You've teased it out. It's always been there. We just, you know, we just didn't, uh, we just didn't access it, and now we have. So for me to, or, you know, for, for any of us to, to, to pop pineapple back on top of it when it already could potentially have that, I'm just, I'm conflicted. Yeah, you know? and, and a lot of people are, and and I think this um, this sort of discussion needs some sort of honesty and also some maturity, um, because I think it's going to be a part of the industry. I think it's going to be part of an in, the industry, and it's it's uh, it's here to stay. And I don't entirely have an issue with it, provided that like um, and you know a lot of the conjecture and sort of controversy was sent around centered around your employer on uh, on a or Sasha and so he wrote a, an article initially which was responded to by a gentleman by the name of Christopher Ferran and um, he was he was very he wrote a very informative article he's obviously a smart guy and very well researched article did uh, did disagree quite starkly with Sasha and Sasha wrote another sort of article yesterday sort of clarifying some things and whatnot and um, we won't go too much into the detail of that but there's there's I think the the I think the key point I took away from Christopher Furan's response was that um, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly is that sort of um, you know it's all so I think Sasha's point of view when he clarified it is that we need to sort of you know at the end of the day we need to put a label on it uh, Christopher Furan in response to Sasha's first article was sort of saying, well, let's not make an, an enemy out of, out of producers because it's all well and good for us to sit here. Like we're in comfy Australia, we're in lockdown and, you know, even in a lockdown, we can get employment benefits and all these sorts of things. Then you might have someone in Colombia who, you know, if they inoculate their coffee with a few, a few extra things that makes it taste really great. And, you know, most people just couldn't even tell, but who cares? They really, really like it. Um, they might earn a bit more money. It's good for them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, no, I think it's a good point, and I think there's a place definitely. And um, I do have a very strong feeling around when coffee can be so inherently special. Um, just really doing anything we can to harness that, it just just speaks to something deeply with me around respecting coffee. I think there's there's a there's absolutely room and place for certain coffees to have, you know, potentially some infusion around them to, to add character and then therefore that can speak to producers getting more money for those coffees because, you know, a lot of producers and specialty, they produce a range of coffees and scores on their farm, right? It's not like it's not like all producers produce just 90-plus coffee. In fact, most producers produce a very small amount because they're notoriously difficult to get right. You know, the level of detail that goes into growing it, picking it correctly, you know, just all that stuff is just mind-blowing. So... So many coffees are, you know, entry level eighty points or, or commodity on their farm. So you know, maybe there's an opportunity for certain coffees to have, you know, certain cool things done to them through experiments. And, and I'd love to taste that, even from an experimental point of view. Let's try certain things on coffees that maybe have, let's call it a canvas, right? They have a basic profile to offer, and off, and, and and you know, the chance is there to pop some things in there, and. Um, you know, cool. Let's 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 see what that's about. So I think you're right. There's a place for it, and transparency is key. And you know, just to you keep broadening this discussion, I have a real 
real problem with them being used in like competitions and things like that. Obviously, because the rules are the rules and. And yeah, well, the rules, uh, like I don't have them in front of me, so I can't quote them, but in words to the effect of they do ban uh, inoculated coffees or um, anything of the sort, it needs to be processed but not infused with anything. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I have to bring them up, but, you know, I think we all understand what they're getting at and it's pretty clear cut. So, yeah, and I think there's a lot of conjecture there. But, look, it's great that it's a hot topic. It's up. We're all talking about it. And, and you know, the industry, all of our voices are really you know, collect, drive where this thing goes, where it sits, where it doesn't. And, and you know, so it's it's fantastic to get it all together and have a heated, spirited discussion around, you know, what do we think? And, yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's it's a very big one at the moment. Well, yeah. I, like I'm all for heated discussion. I'm all for debate and provided it's constructive. I, yeah, I've seen a lot of grandstanding, I feel like, you know, on the issue. You know, people are more than happy to share and, you know, whack a cheeky uh you know, comment L2 and, you know, sit on one side of the fence on the other. And um, I don't think there's any malice by anyone here. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, like I agree. If it's uh, at the very – I think they have – the role I think they play is that – and I said this to you before we started the podcast – is that if I take a friend to a coffee shop and, you know, it's – and like you were saying about espresso before, it's notoriously hard to get a good one because, you, you know, even if you've got a good operator – Things just happen that are beyond our control. It's very, very difficult. Um, And so if I take a friend to a coffee shop and I get them, I don't know, an espresso and it's got, you know, lychee and jasmine and stuff like that and they don't taste that, it kind of makes me feel like, oh, yeah, geez, I I don't think this – I don't know if I'm offering – if I'm going to be able to, um, you know, bring this person into specialty coffee, make them like it, make them, you know – Make them subscribe to it, if you will. But if I get them something, you know, that's been infused or something like that, and uh, like I don't know whether it's been infused with cinnamon. Like we've served cinnamon infused coffees, and even um, coffees that haven't been labelled as infused, but I'm um, you know ninety nine point nine nine percent sure they are. Um, and they 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 see the flavour, they taste the flavour. And that's great, and that's the role I think it plays. I think it's I think it could invite many more people into coffee or specialty coffee. Yeah, look, look, totally valid point of view. You're talking about distinct flavour being a you know a vehicle, if you will, to create a connection. And I think sometimes you know you can you can tap someone on the shoulder, you don't get their attention. You can slap them in the face, doesn't work. You need a sledgehammer to you know get through. And but maybe that's the wrong approach. Maybe you could just we could think of it another way and. You just go around in the front and, and just engage them with with a, with a different way to connect and, and maybe the same as the coffee rather than just focusing on flavour notes and distinct flavour. Why can't we uh, take the, the view of why don't we just see the sweetness is more elevated? You know, there's less roughness. That's what's making it special. You know, it's more it's more of a refined experience rather than maybe just focusing on flavour. So there's so much more that makes coffee special rather than just distinct flavour. So competition. Um, speaks to that, COE sheets speak to that. And maybe we can just do more to appreciate high-quality sweetness and beautiful acidity and just the refinement of it. When you drink great wine, often they are subtle in nature with just layers upon layers and, and huge length. It doesn't just have to be huge lychee or, or some distinct flavour. It can also take away from it because that can just be too much of the star of the show. So I think, you know, the thing is too with coffee, Coffee professionals have a more refined palate and they can go off on a tangent. But I think just the overall experience, the intangible quality should just be identifiable for anyone. You know what? That is just 
incredibly delicious, so smooth, like a drink, lots of it, and I'll pay more for it, you know, as opposed to the rough, harsh. But not to say rough and harsh is bad because traditional coffee, you've got bitterness, you've got caffeine, and that's delicious. But we're talking about specialty coffee. There's so many things rather than just tasting notes to, to, to connect people with. You just got me uh, – we've spoken about this before, I'm sure, but you've, you've got me thinking about something. What are the future of coffee experiences? Because to me, it's um, like one of the most formative things I've ever done is go to a coffee farm. And I got to go to Brazil and Bolivia and that, that was great. What is the next best thing to taking someone there, in my opinion? Could it be some sort of virtual reality experience where like – and there, there's some that have been – tried i think cartel coffee roasters do it and i haven't tried their version of it but i would love to in the future but i really think that um drinking a coffee and being transported to the farm in in sort of the one hit you know the two for one meal deal buy one get one free um, you know you I, I really reckon that's the future and um no doubt in the fu- in the not too distant future someone will be able to produce the technology at a cost effective price to be able to do that do you think that's something we could see in the future so look, it's uh, you know tongue in cheek, and it's, it's it's it's. I'm glad you brought it up because you know you and I have even gotten together and, and, and a bunch of our you know colleagues, and we've you know creatively collated on creating these kind of virtual experiences. And I think it can be an incredibly exciting retail experience that connects you literally from the farm to the cup. So you know, we bars, we drink great coffee, just like we can a wine bar. Um, you can sit up there and, 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 you know, we've got technology like QR codes in our phone and we've got great little Apple earpods and we can put all those things together and drink a coffee, have your phone there, scan a QR code and, and then you can have Jammers and Savage telling you about that coffee while he's standing in that farm and you're drinking it. It's raspberries or whatever it is. It's, you know, that's pretty special. And talk about bang for buck, right? Uh, we've got access. The world's actually quite small. Everyone's got a phone and we've got all the bits to do it. Um, there's so many cool opportunities, right? And this is the stuff that gets us excited. And I think any coffee punter, no matter what your level, even if it's your, you know, your latte with two sugars, you can sit there. And if the guy that's made that coffee from the farm is on your uh, iPhone telling you a bit about it, I mean, does it get much better? It's well, pretty cool. In in Australia, and uh, I dare say most other places, baristas are an easy target for being the butt of jokes. You know, everyone thinks, oh, barista, hipster, wanker, and, you know, they want to uh, drink soy lattes and, you know, talk about bloody whatever. Um, and, you know, I understand. That's funny. It, 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 can, it can be funny from time to time. But... Um, I don't know. I really do think that most people would benefit from something like that, something like that because most, most people don't really know how really good coffee is made. Like specialty coffee is a very small percentage of global coffee consumption and something I often forget about, but, you know, for some perspective, it is. Um, I think a lot of people could benefit from something like that. Absolutely. Look, you know, I always say there's excellence in everything. There are, I think there's competitions for, you name it, you know, for, you know, um, preserving butterflies to stamps to, you know, the list goes on and on. And there's also ones for coffee. And, um, you know, a lot of this stuff's born out of that, how we push the envelope within the specialty space. But, you know, what the thing is, you're speaking to entertainment. You're speaking to, to what people do every day. They listen to the headphones. They've got their phone on them. They watch movies. So use those mediums to connect with people. It doesn't just have to be listen to me, you know, as a barista, just rattle on about all the stuff that, you know what, I love because I'm connected to it. Someone else just might not 
you know, be interested in listening to five minutes of stuff they don't understand without context, altitude, microclimate. But give them a cool little video at the farm and, and get someone who's produced that coffee to say, you know, that cup of coffee in your hand, I've actually had a, you know, profound part in bringing that to you. Uh, you know, maybe that's a, that's a great um, pathway to get people to go, oh, wow, I appreciate that even more and therefore potentially will pay for it and just respect the process. And it's okay that coffee just tastes like coffee. I mean, the best coffee is the one you love. I'm not here to tell anyone to drink anything because, you know, my world's routine was all about what do you like? You know, finding out what people like and giving that to them and giving the best version of that. So if we can make it more fun, you know, more inclusive, just, you know, just and, and more appreciation along the way, what, what a great way to do it. You know, it doesn't have to just be flavour notes on the bag and a whole lot of like, you know, sort of proving itself. You know, coffee's grown up and trying to you know, be like wine. And we do look at it as an older brother and it's great that we have those, you know, established regulated industries to, to learn and grow from. But, you know, we're at a point, we're pretty mature, we're pretty good and, you know, we can reach people with fun ways and I think it's a sign of the maturity that we have as an industry as well. Yeah. Well, one thing, one thing I'll... Um... I would love to talk about with you, Matt, and you, you talk about pushing the envelope, freezing coffee. Um, you and I have been doing it for a long time. Um, the way I got into it actually was seeing you do it. So I walked into one of your nationals routines. Um, there was, this was years ago and heard you just say the words, this coffee was frozen. I thought, what the fuck is he talking about? And then, so I, I went and asked some people backstage, just like, what, what's freezing coffee? Anyway, um, I stayed up until about 2 a.m., you know, reading about it, and the next day was serving it at St. Ali. Um, and, and, so, and, and just went from there. But this is another thing. It's kind of decentralised itself in a way that almost anyone could do it and you could start right now. Um, like, I mean, it, and it's such commonplace now as well. Mm. Yeah. And I, I remember quite clearly, I've got this sort of saying that I say in my head, and I remember it, I used it as a... I remember I did the calibration at um, for the ASCA, so we we're teaching new judges how to judge. Um, and uh, my opening line was: "Imagine if you could have whatever coffee you wanted, whenever you wanted it." And now, you, and now you can. Um, how far has frozen coffee come since then, Matt? I think it was like twenty sixteen or seventeen when that happened. Like, yeah. And look, frozen coffee, and we're not talking about iced coffee. We're not talking about you know, an ice latte or a pumpkin spice. That's right. We're, you know, we're talking about taking coffee beans and putting them into little vacuum sealed tubes or bags and freezing it down, basically creating like a wine cellar for coffee. So, sorry about that, guys. Who was that? Um, we've just got a bunch of hooligans here at the uh, the Honor headquarters, but uh, we digress. So, you know, that was that's the cool thing about it is coffee goes stale. It's arguably one of the most perishable, you know, food items, if you will, that we have, you know, beyond tea, beyond whiskey or anything like that. So it goes stale. We all dislike stale coffee. We love fresh, yummy coffee. So that was the idea is when when does it taste the best? Well, okay, then 10 days old, whatever, after roasting, freeze it down. And then as Kirk said, you can have it whenever you like. What I love now is you go on social media, you go into cafes, and we're talking about specialty coffee primarily. It's everywhere. People are freezing coffee, not making a big deal out of it. Oh, yeah, I've got some frozen coffee in there. All my mates do it at home. They've all got tubes and bags of coffee and they know what to do. And, you know, 
I'm no pioneer in the space. I've just, you know, done a bit in it and I've got a bunch of other amazing people that we know um, that, have, that have, you know, really kick-started it. But, um, you know, I, I was a big fan of it early on and I decided to, you know, drive it forward in comp, on the comp stage. And uh, it's been an incredible journey. But how good is it that we can just guarantee an experience of how good coffee can be to a person and they can have it today, tomorrow, next week, next month? next year we could share it with a producer on how they have different harvests because it's frozen down right so the potential is amazing and i think that's the virtue of it and you can rely on it it's frozen so when you're dialing it in as a barista you know that's a stable it's a constant you can use your grinder adjustment and you can repeat it so there's less wastage and i mean yada 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 it's a it's a joy everyone should be doing it freeze coffee get on it yeah if you're not doing it you're mad um but one thing like i will say is that i still think it's actually in its infancy there's yeah. still there's still there's still a lot we don't know. Look, and to your point, because I'm in a bubble, you know, the specialty coffee, and I, I do my best to get out of it. But you're right; it's it's in the specialty sector. It's 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 normal. So you know, globally, you know, it's a it's a long way to go. But I think it'll continue to yeah. grow. And I I I um I don't have the means to sort of uh, in investigate invest in it too much further at the moment. But I still think there's a like I I used to I, I used to be on the fence about test tubes, but now you know I use them all the time. Um, and and just a bit on that, let, let's talk about that, actually, because there's, I get emails and stuff about that and questions all the time. Um, yeah. What is the difference, do you think, Matt Lewin, between using a, a vacuum-sealed bag and a test tube? Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I think when we started freezing coffee, we were thinking, let's keep these coffees for a million years, you know, and, 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 and people can enjoy them. And I still think that's absolutely correct. Uh, you've got to have a lot of freezers, right, to be able to keep a lot of coffee, but... Um, the bags are great. You know, obviously plastic, you, you, you can cut them and reuse them, but eventually they go to hopefully you recycle them, but they're not, um, they're not exactly single use, but the, you know, they're not the most sustainable option, arguably. So test tubes are sustainable. We've done a lot of research to say that they work really well. Um, at the moment, depending on the tube technology, they probably won't last as long as the Vaxil bag, you know, you Vaxil bag, you take the air out and, and we drink coffees now four years later. And I think some other people drink coffees even older, um, and they still taste pretty good. You know, the, you've minimised all the air out of it and it just preserves it really well. The tubes, yeah, so far, have been good for three, six, nine, even 12 months. Um, you can reuse them. They're really easy to dose up and the flavour is amazing. And we've noticed, as you have as well, for filter espresso milk across all um, categories, they work well. So, you know, tubes are great. And I think in, in that space, what you'll find is, there'll be more attention to tubes and, and hopefully they can mimic that bag environment so we can keep the freshness of the coffee for many years. So watch that space. See, yeah. this, this may be an un- uneducated opinion of mine, but I still feel like there's um, – there, there, hopefully in the future there's a capability to gas flush some of these because, you know, with biscuits and things like that, those can be gas flushed and, you know, you get your – you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tim Tams. You know, I get my, I get my Tim Tams. They're all They're all, you know – Gas flushed. You might get your Oreos gas flushed. Your Smiths yeah, chips, good. all of it. Could we do the same with coffee? Well, you know, I think hundred percent. And uh, you know, uh, we we look to other industries for inspiration all the time, right? Uh, coffee, especially coffee, being relatively you know young, new, and finding its way, and it's very much found its way. But we look to wine, look to food, we look to chefs on how they do things. And and you're absolutely right. Gas flushing is that we've already got so much technology around us that's proved how to preserve stuff nitrogen argon inert gases that are heavier than oxygen they do the job keep it shelf stable for a really long time so you know that's fine i think as, as long as there's accessibility to gas it's not too expensive because we all you know we're really moving into a world of, of point of 
you're being more sustainable. So, you know, for me, I'm a bit of a minimalist. Hopefully I can use a little bit less of everything to get more result. So, um, but yeah, you know, we've got so many cool tools around us in the industries that are already doing it. It's proven. So we can apply those. Yeah. All right. I want to talk future again. We've got my personal favorite beverage in coffee is a milk-based coffee. Like, it, it's, you love that morning cuddle, don't you, mate? I do, I do. I get warm, cozy. It's 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 like crack to me, you know. And you know, I've been deprived lately, so I'm sort of a shell of my former self. But again, milk-based coffee, love of my life. Um, I've read and sort of done done some research online. You know, the data all suggests, and I think most people could agree, at least anecdotally, that plant-based milks are going to rise uh, in popularity in the future um and you know for reasons we can all understand um but i will say and i've had some good ones i've had some bad ones like most plant-based milk spits sits on a spectrum for me of somewhere between cardboard and like an ashtray when and it's just like i I can't drink them oat milk has been my hands down favorite so far but i you know i've had some good soy i've had some good almonds here and there um you're pretty uh you're, you're, you, you have a sort of um, ambassadorial role with Vitasoy uh, in, in your dealings. You know, you're, you're, you're a popular guy, you know, you're Australian Bristol Championship, so you've got a sort of role with them. But I know, I, I, to my understanding, and you can clarify this further if you like, you've got sort of an R&D role with them as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, can we expect good plant-based milk in the future? And I'm very sceptical. I'm sorry, but like... Uh... Uh, it's, it's, and I think, I think that's a good thing because warranted in the past and once again, plant milk's, you know, relatively new in terms of, a, you know, a milk uh, option and a vehicle for coffee. And there's a lot of work to do to, to really refine it. And so many points of views. And I can, I've, had, I've had, you know, good bad and, and ugly plant milk coffees, but I've also had the same for dairy milk. Um, we can have good and bad of everything, but there's, there's a lot of work being done in the space. Uh, you know, for, for me, the, the partnership with Vitasoy is so meaningful and it's akin to uh, Sasha working with San Remo many years ago. You know, there's a long-term view to take something that's, you know, good and just make it absolutely best in market. And that's the, the partnership value and vision we share with Vitasoy. So to speak to plant milks, uh, there's definitely the future. We can see the trends, what's happening now. You know, soy was the OG, almonds come in and now the biggest and then oat in the future is definitely, I think, set to be uh, the king for specialty coffee because it just allows coffee to speak so well, you know, and, and, and a lot of people say it mimics dairy and, and it has uh, those capabilities, and I totally agree with them all. And who knows what other, um, uh, uh, you know, plant options there'll be in the future that can it, it take it even further. But, look, I'm excited by it. What it also does is allow everybody to drink milk coffee. Some people that... Uh, by many reasons can't drink dairy well now they can have an you know an exceptional plant milk coffee and yeah we'll continue to refine it and, and my role is to to do that with Vitasoy ahead and proud you know proud as punch to be doing it Very yeah and, and like i feel like there's almost you know growing stigma for sort of dairy farmer like being a boy from the bush yourself and I, I lived in the country for a long time as well like i don't like demonizing dairy farmers i mean it, obviously it has you know it produces more emissions and uses more water than um than, than growing sort of plant, plant-based milks does. Um, do you think there's still – do you think dairy will just completely dwindle as sort of climate change becomes a bit of an issue or – Massive uh, 
question. I'm, I know I'm not um, super well versed in all the aspects, but you know, it's, it's a very interesting one. Like even even coffee itself, you know, to roast it and um, you know transport all around the world and roast it, you know, puts probably I think more emissions than, than all of it. You know, even all the takeaway cups and all that stuff. And I think look, anything that we can do as we grow to, to minimize the emissions on, on the planet, you know, let's just, let's just do them. We can have a go at cows or we can have a go at almonds. And, you know, I see some people um, talk to me about almonds being using a lot of water, but then they eat all the bacon and beef in the world. And I, I just think, you know, <laughs> come on guys. Mm. Like, yeah. So it's a, it's a big one. Um, we can always be better at what we do. And I think all of us can, you know, have a look at ourselves within that space as well. And, um, yeah, a bit, look, not a great answer there, but it's a big conversation. And, and as long as we all have, you know, the sustainability in mind to do things better, and I'm sure we'll find ways through technology, then if we can do things, you know, better for the planet, then let's try and do it. Yeah. You know, uh, it, and this sort of brings me to uh, we. I had Maxwell Colonna Dashwood on the podcast last week, and we did a podcast. You know, a lot, a lot of it was about his sort of video that he did that was critical of competitions and and suggested some solutions on how we can make the competition better. Do you think using plant-based milks in a national or world brister championship could be something we see in the not-too-distant future? And would you I, encourage I, it? I do. I've got a feeling it'll happen, yeah. And I think the other thing on it is um, plant milk should also be in its own category. We, yep, fair enough, we've, we've measured it against dairy, but it's actually its own product. So we should uh, potentially be looking at it as, you know, plant milk versus plant milk in the future. You know, it's, it, it is different. Yeah. All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you one more question. Before I go, yes, sir. Before before we go, what's one thing that people perhaps don't know about Matt Lewin that you would like them to know about Matt Lewin? <laughs> Mate, you didn't you didn't put this in the uh, the pre screen questions? No, I didn't. And like like I do usually sort of so sorry. It's a question without notice, but I occasionally I hit you with that. But what's something you know? People probably look at you a certain way, and whether it's good or bad, whatever. What's something you think people don't know about you that yeah, you'd like them look, to know about you? Look, not that exciting, but the one thing that people don't know is that I've been a closet, old-school UFC fan since day dot. I'm talking the, literally the first fight. Forrest UFC, Griffin, Chuck, Chuck yeah, um, Liddell. Ultimate fighter, I'm a fiend. I can tell you every fight of the last 15, 20 years, every championship, every fighter, if, if, if wherever you are around the world, if you know baseball, basketball, whatever you, whatever your sport is, I know UFC unlike anybody that I know, and no one will know that. It's a closet thing that I do, and I'm a crazy fight fan. So there you go. Okay, likes a bit of violence. Uh, who you? Got? It's not UFC, but um, who you got it's, for Tyson? It's, it's 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 chess. It's it's mixed martial arts chess, my friend. Okay, right? well, who who you got for the the big boxing bout this weekend? It's Tyson Fury versus the uh, bronze bomber Deontay Wilder. Who you got? Look, uh, I think I think Fury will get it done, but I hope Wilder does. Uh, yeah, look, I don't think anyone can topple the Gypsy King. He's just too good. And he's, you know, he's massive, and uh, you know he's good for boxing. Boxing, he's super real, and uh, yeah, I like him. But he's, I, a, yeah. he's a whimsical guy. But hey, yeah. so are you, Matt Lewin. I know you've got pl- hundred and one things to do today. Thank you so much for your time. I've had a great. This has been just as good as the first podcast, I think. Mate, this is, I've got a million things to do, but the, the best one today was talking to you, sweetheart. Love you, miss mate. you. All right, I, I, I better go. I'm get a bit. I'm get a bit hot over here. But thank you so much again, mate. Uh, very, very good uh, chat, and 
Look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks so much for having me on. I can't wait to see you soon up there and have a coffee.